given. But to try our best over the course of the time that we have to answer as many as possible. And um, in certain questions, we noticed that they were along the same theme. So even though your question might not be answered word for word, uh, the exact question, but the general concept is the same concept. So we will obviously try to address those questions. So. Good morning. As I told somebody today, good morning, the rabbi told me I would have said a good morning, a good year, but today I wouldn't say it. I didn't know we have that many skeptics over here. So. I heard once of, of a once said, when, when do I know what is my measuring yard to know that a chiddush that I made, that it's, that it's true, the true answer to the question, that it's a real chiddush, it's something that it's not just a little dray or something, but it's the honest truth. He says, when I look back in the Rambam and I realize that I wasn't mechadish anything. This is it. That when somebody else would come and ask me, what would you, what is your new chiddush? I wouldn't have what to say. Then I know it's the MS. Anything that sounds like an excuse, like a tether, like something that doesn't really work. What really works is when it's absorbed, it's digested in such a way that it's the norm. That is the normal thing. So in most cases, when I had many people coming to my Chabad house and study, they would start, for example, with kashas, either against the Ebishter or against Hasidus or against the Rebbe. My usual answer would be not to answer. That's my usual answer. But rather, let's spend uh, two months together. Let's learn Tanya. And by the end of that, I would say, okay, now you can ask all your questions. And he would say, you know, I'll go home, I'll look for them. I don't know which one. I would jot it down someplace on the paper. But they're all gone by the time. And that's a question. There are many questions in, y- in Yiddishkeit which have no answers. The only answer is that when you learn and you realize the truth of it, you have no question anymore. So it's not an answer given, it's just a clarification in a normal way, in such a way that it's digested, in such a way that questions dissipate, fall by the wayside, and they have no meaning because a question basically, most of the time, is a question is lack of knowledge. It's a little bit of ignorance. And you get to know the subject well, the question is not a question. In most cases, which is in medical science and math and anything, if you have a question, in most cases, the teacher will take you to the side and say, let, let, let's do the course over. Okay, let's start page number 60. 60, do it over, and uh, there is no question. So we'll try a little bit, with, we'll do, which will cover a vast um, number of the questions that has to do with what is chassidus, what is the importance of chassidus, what is Chassidus Chabad? What was Chassidus Chabad Machadish? What is the nuance of Chassidus Chabad? Why is it different than Hagaz? And why spending so much time on Chassidus when the, the importance of Allah, one mitzvah, is greater than anything in the world? Why do we spend so much time on studying Chassidus and so on and so forth? So we'll give a little overview on the whole thing and then we'll come back perhaps to deal with additional detailed questions.
I heard once from Abiel Khan, he told me a story that he went once on a train and a person came over to him, pointed a finger on him, and said, are you a Lubavitcher? And of course he wasn't in disguise, he said, yes. What gave it away? So finally the guy says, okay, you know, I really have some bitter feelings towards you. So he says, I'm a conservative Jew, a very devoted conservative Jew. And I really believe strongly that Chabad uprooted everything the Balshemtov instituted. The Balshemtov came with such great visions, with such beautiful visions, and just Chabad came and made an overcast over it, just diluted it and took it out of context totally. So he says, how so? So he says that Balshemtov came with a notion which is called Rachmana Libaboya, which means in Aramaic, which means in English, Hashem wants your heart. <coughs> Rachmana means Hashem. Liba boy needs your heart. He doesn't need only your action. What he, really, what he needs is he needs your heart. And that's what the Balshemtov came, that until that time, <coughs> I wouldn't say until, because until would mean since since Matan Taylor told the Balshemtov it was that way. No, it wasn't. But later on, Right before the Balshemta of Yiddishkeit was very much neglected it was to the extent of the heart of Yiddishkeit. The do's and the don'ts were very much kept by the elite for sure, but the inner heart of it, the fear of Hashem and the love of Hashem, the driving forces, the, the, the motives why to, to do it, and so on and so forth, that was pretty much neglected. The Balshemta came to uplift the spirit of Klal Yisrael, and that's the Nakuda of Rachmano Libeboy. So the man turns to a girl and says, you have to understand, this is, that's conservative Judaism, isn't it? That's what conservative wants. That what? That it makes no difference whether you drive in Shabbos, you don't drive. As long as you get to shul. Because the main thing is at shul, there will be a whole bunch of symphonies singing together, harmony, and where you're going to be chanting and glorifying Hashem's name. <coughs> and it makes no difference whether it's going to be done halachically, will be a minion of men or not. That, that, that's not important. The main thing is the heart. And look, look what a beauty is. You walk into a conservative shul and see how people are involved. The whole family is involved and everybody's together. What a beauty. Chabad came, and if you listen especially to, to, to the Rebbe's call, every Frabrengen, the very end of every sentence of every Maimer is, And the main thing is the deeds. The do's and the don'ts, these are the main, these are the most essential, crucial things of everything. So he says, the Lubavitcher twisted everything out of context. It's completely off. Because that's the Litvishu That's the old, Snagdishu Tehidim. But by Chassidim, the main thing is the heart. Well, that was his claim. It's a very good claim. If you want to understand what Chassidim is all about. And, uh, if you look at it uh, superficially, seemingly, it sounds to be a very nice claim. The Baal said, Rahman al that's the main focus. And there came the, the Rebbe and says, no, Amaisa which is a Mishnah. But uh, so these seems to be the two opposite of the extremes. And how do we put them all in together into the same Chabat, into the same Balshemtov, into the same table? I'm not sure if I mentioned it last year or not. I would ask a question. If a father asked the child, I'd love you, Shri. There are five brothers. 
<laughs> well, then scientists will come and they say there's probably a remains of a dinosaur, who knows? Some leftover bones, who knows? So go pick bones. So, the idea of the Balshemta, it is true the Balshemta came to inject the idea of Ibn Hashem to inject the idea to uplift the spirit of Klal Yisrael, Rahman Libabay Hashem wants our heart. There's no question about that. But on the other hand, he wants our heart. What does it mean he wants our heart? We should serve him, not in a cold, dry, ungratified way, but rather to serve him with the greatest joy that while I'm bringing a coffee to my father, how joyful that is. It is not a task. It is not a chore. It is a joy. It is a pleasure. It's a union. It's a relationship. How beautiful it is. But a relationship. Or like somebody would say, the main thing in a, in a marriage is the relationship is people should love each other, should be generous to each other. But a person would always say, you know, I'm moving off to Mexico. My wife stays in New York, but I'm, I'm going to be smiling the whole day. I'm going to be so jolly and so happy, and I'm going to call her and let her know that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to be home to bathe the kids, to wash the dishes, or not even to see them face to face, or not have any, any, any marital relations, because that's really not it. The main thing is the joy. That would be in everything in the world. It would be like one word. You could take one word and make a cliche out of it, and it misses the whole point of every, every, everything. That's how all the political things go in America. Well, you take a fancy word, like you call it a woman's choice. That's a question whether it's murder or not. If you're religious, you have to look in your Bible. If you're irreligious, ask a doctor when life begins. Whatever it is, it has nothing to do with the question of choice or not. Like somebody would ask, that the one day there'll be a be a law in America that you could kill a one-day-old baby as long as the mother doesn't mind because it's her choice. It's her still little baby. She's still nursing. You know, nobody... It's, it's just, you know, you take a word and you make a fancy word out of it and then you have a whole shitter. It's a question, is it life or not? Can you kill or not? It makes no difference. The choice doesn't belong there because in, I think in America there's even a law you cannot kill yourself either. You try to jump off the bridge, the police will take you, lock you out. So where's choice there? Oh, nobody mentions there. So, but we, you take a word and we butter it up and it's all shit. Yeah, and, that, and if, if you break it down into simple things, you know, just put, put, put the cards on the table, it'll be clarified very easy. It'll be no, no hostility involved, nothing prejudiced about it. It's just a simple question. Is it murder or not? So coming back to the idea also, we took a word that the Bashantav said, Rahman Libabaya, and what conservative life did with it is to take away we made a beautiful word that the Balshemtov came to uproot Khalil the Mitzvahs, to uproot the relationship between Yidna and Hashem, the Aved the Sashem, and say that Ivdu es Hashem besimcha, the besimcha is the one that counts. There are three words. It's Ivdu es Hashem. Then comes the word besimcha. And the Altrebbe emphasizes quite clearly in Tanya that even though they have to es Hashem alakecha, loving Hashem is a mitzvah in its own right, yet, Yet, the Alter Rebbe says, mainly the mitzvah is connected to do the rest of all the mitzvahs, to do them with Ahava and Yirah. And that's how it's expressed in the Zohar, that Ahava and Yirah, love and fear and reverence of Hashem, is compared to Gatfim, are compared to the wings of a bird. There is a bird, and then the bird has to fly. Of course, if now people would come and say, if that's the case, Tariq said this the whole day. So if you admit that Lubavitch claims that Hamaisa Huayikin, that the main goal of everything is to do the Maisa, the Mitzvah, Maisa Mitzvah. If that's the case, 
then, okay, Kavachantov came with this innovation, with this beautiful thing, but why spend so much time on, on that part? And the answer to this is a very simple answer as well. Let's keep within our, the realm of this marshal of there is the service, and yet then there is the motivation behind it. If a man I will say in Chabaraz, I'd have a man, Ahmad al-Islam, in an intensive care unit, it is a code 99. The man had a cardiac arrest. The entire hospital runs together trying to save him, and they do CPR, and finally they revive the Baruch Hashem, there's a heartbeat back. Everybody's joyous, they throw a party. The man, his heartbeat is back. He's still comatose, he's still lying there, but it will take quite a few hours to get him back. And the family goes over to the doctor, they thank him, they give him $100,000, they kiss his feet, and they're, they're, besides themselves, they save a family member's life. It's three weeks later, the man is still comatose. They go over to the doctor saying, no, what's going to be? They say, aren't you grateful you saved his life? Didn't you kiss my feet before? Why are you pushing? He has a heartbeat. Rahmana Libaboya, that's the main thing. He has a heartbeat. But that do much. The heartbeat is very good for the first moment when we're dealing with survival, we're dealing with reviving a person, we need a heartbeat. But then it needs to trickle down into all the limbs. The fingers have to start being able to move. The digestive system has to open. The spleen, the liver, everything has to start to work. Otherwise, what do you have? You have a neshama without a body. That's called a ghost. Or at the best, a malach, not a human being. The human being doesn't mean just a heartbeat. The human being means a functioning body. On the other hand, on the other hand, if people would have, God forbid, like a visit to a morgue or a visit to a cemetery, they would have a full-fledged being over there with every little aspect. Every bone is there, every ligament is there, every piece of everything you need is there. So male is one little thing missing, a heartbeat. No, we could do without one thing. I mean, you have to have everything, you know. This is always the balance. The Gemara says anybody who dabbles without kavana is kiguf b'lina sham. It means the chayas, the life, it's like a body without a soul. It's a body without a soul. So always in Judaism, like in everything in life, it's nothing new in Judaism. It's with everything in life, it's in every business, it's in everything that you have in a relationship, in a marriage, in parents and children. There is always the actual do's and the don'ts, the halachas, the dry bones, the very, the skeleton, which is very important for the for, to upkeep the whole body and, and, and to hold up the whole body. And that is the bread and the butter of everything. And then there's the life force. So, of course, sometimes there's a little bit of friction what comes first. Now, when a person is shvach in one thing, of course you'll talk to him. You know, when a person has a weakness in that area, in Allah, of course, the learning Marxists won't help. He needs to open a shvach and learn the Allah. Somebody has a problem that he doesn't know what Muqtz is on Shabbos. Of course, you should take a shukhanarach and learn through all his muktzah. It's very important. By having love of Hashem, you know, he won't find out all his muktzah on his own. But on the other hand, all his muktzah could be found out by sitting down and learning. And once you know it, you know it. Reviving the body, 
bringing the highest back to a body and uh, getting the heartbeat back is the most difficult one that all the rest of them. There's not sufficient when you stay with that. But is that the driving force of everything? Is that the neshama of everything? Yes, it is. And if you need to spend time to, for a cardiac arrest, to spend hundreds of hours just to bring the heartbeat back, it is more important than anything else. Don't worry about the gangrene of his leg now. Don't look at the fungus that he has. And don't look at the, any other, perhaps he has also diabetes. You're not going to take care of the diabetes now. And you're not going to take, take, take care of his fungus. You're going to take care of one thing, the lead. Get a heartbeat back. We need life. And therefore, and, and by downtrodden people and by people who have temptations, where people who live in such a world as we live today, a cheshech kafel and kupul, where there's so many forces who make up so many, so many questions, or questions who are questions, or non-questions, that bother us, and that we're always plagued with, 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 with doubts and things of that sort. So the life force of Yiddishkeit is the most important thing that will keep us doing everything else, that eventually we'll, when we'll need to learn muktzah, we'll learn muktzah. When anybody would need to do ribas, we'll learn chesribas, whatever we'll need to do that. But in the, in, in, in in the most time that he needs to revive his neshama and to bring all that chayas in there, that that is the most important thing. Meaning to say, as long as you don't, don't downplay the other one. Yes, to bring the coffee with a great smile is one of the greatest things. As long as you bring the coffee, you don't say, well, oh, it's not important, the coffee. Okay, so this is just a little overview at a very beginning level. Of not to have be confused. What is the real thing? Is it Maisa? Is it the Mitzvah? Is it the joy? Is it the Halacha? Is it the Balshemtov? On which one should we focus? We should focus on each and every one. There's nothing that is not important. Every one of the, and anybody, anybody who casts aside one of them could call himself a conservative Jew, and not in the conservative sense of conservative. For it means they just misconstrue the whole idea. You need both. And that's what a human being is. Not a Malach, not a ghost and not a person in a cemetery. A human being is a living body, a soul and a body together, a goof and a neshama. And by davening, if one wants to say the words without a neshama, it's like a dead body. If one wants to meditate the whole night, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thoughts, it's the nicest thoughts you could ever get, but he didn't utter the words, the halacha is hirur laf kidiburdam. Thought, it doesn't count like speech. You didn't move your lips, the lips were not involved. This is a neshama, that's a beautiful ghost. It's a neshama that never got a body. So that is just the basics. Let's get back, get back into a little more of detail. What is the difference now between Chabad and Hagas? And how, in fact, did the Baal Shem Tov blow in this Ruach Chaim and Yid? How did he do that? Explain what is Hagas. Okay, Hagas is Rosh Tevis. It's an acronym for Chesed Givuret Feres. I'm sure you learned something about the Ten Spheres and these classes as you were here this week. I hope so. And we know that they're divided into two parts. The upper part, the first three is Chabad, Chachme, Bin, and Das, which is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the rest of the seven are all have to do with character traits of the human being, or so to inhabit with character traits of godliness, and so on, which are the emotions <coughs> of the rest of the attributes. So Chagas means the Chassidim who served Hashem more in an emotional level, rather than basing everything on, on the knowledge. As opposed to Chabad, which bases everything on the understanding and learning hours and hours of Chassidus to understand godliness, 
to explain it. And by other chassidim, it was not so much of explain, explaining, but rather you would walk in a shul and you'd see davening, you'd see fireballs going there, shaking and screaming, <coughs> and with singing. Also the idea of the Balshemt of the Wat, Rachman to inject this fire, the vitality of Yiddishkeit in every mitzvah. But instead of through meditation and through thinking and explana- an explanation, it is done, brought in the vitality of Yiddishkeit through the emotions, through the fire of the heart. Basically, the difference, the, 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 the difference between Chabad and Chagaz. Let me go back to the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov had many statements. One statement, for example, was to love every Jew. Ahavas Yisrael, everybody knows the Baal Shem Tov himself would walk around with the masses, would stand next to groups of women and children, tell them stories of the medrash, tell them tales of tzaddikim, and uplift their spirits, bring them a munah, the tochen, faith, and trusting in Hashem, and so on and so forth. That was one of the major, major things that the Baal Shem Tov in his early years, then when he was in his gala, when he finally revealed himself as to be the Baal Shem Tov, he not only had to do with simpletons, with simple folk of pupils, the Chemagid, the Degel, for all these he had 60 disciples, one of the greatest in his generation, the greatest of his generation. And then he came to teach many other things. For example, Hashgacha Pratis, divine providence that the Balshemtov taught. The Balshemtov taught is, which is not much so from earlier writings and other Rishayim that the divine providence happens on every level, on every speck of the universe. If there's a, a little schmutz on a piece of table, there's divine providence that it should be there. There's a crack in the wall. If there's a straw that the wind picked it up and blew it two and a half centimeters, there is a divine providence, God Almighty himself has a cheshben on it. Why it is, what? That is one of the key elements of, of the Valshantov's teachings. If we want to discuss this later, perhaps we could come back into the study on its own the beauty of this, or perhaps that we're giving classes on this, on the Balshemtov's teachings of divine providence. Then, so we have the Balshemtov is lifting up every Jew, Ahavas Yisrael. The Balshemtov taught joy. The Balshemtov came to institute again Tzfilah. Until then, learning was the most prominent, and now the Balshemtov came and said that Tzfilah should take a very strong, strong um, place in Jewish life. So we have joy. Avos Yisrael, Tefillah, Hashgacha Pratis. What is the common denominator of all these things? When the tzaddik comes and makes many different institutions, it isn't that every morning he has a different vision and he decides, okay, now you know what? Now we'll talk about this. Now we'll talk about this. There is something, there's a foundation, there's a yisait that brings all these things together. And this is why he institutes all these things. This is all part of one building block. There's a puzzle that puts one thing together. What is, the, what is all that? It has more components to the puzzle, but we'll skip a few. Let's begin before Chassidus. Before Chassidus, we also dealt with this idea that we said before. There's a goof, there's a neshama, there's a body, and a soul.
This happened to be in the year Tafresh, which is in the late 1700s, early 1800s, whenever that was exactly. And that's when we realized, this is right after the Chassidus, a couple of years after Chassidus really came to blossom and accepted worldwide. And so too what happened, an in- in- interesting phenomena, as the Zayar says, not only in Chachmas Atayda, but in Chachmas Chitzenius as well. We know everything is Zelu Umazeh, one is corresponding to the other. Kedusha and Klippa, what happens in Kedusha always happens in Klippa. And the same thing happened at, 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 in the world at large. When you start to discover science. What is the difference between the discoveries that we have the last 200 years and the discoveries we had three, 400 years ago? Let's analyze it a little bit. Three, 400 years ago, a person had a, a wagon. And the wagon was dragging and it made a lot of noise because metal wheels squeak. And they rub on the ground so they make a lot of noise. So the inventions were to put more oil on them and then perhaps rubber or different materials they had to make it. Or let's say to make a transmission, to make a bicycle. You have a smaller wheel that turns a bigger wheel so it's easier on you because with one, with one little tiny uh, revolution, you're only revolving the big wheel half an inch, so it's easier than later on it changes, you take over the other way around, and with one little revolution, you, when you're at a higher speed, you know, you take over 25 revolutions, and so on and so forth. All of these types of, these kinds of, of inventions have nothing to do with delving in or scratching beneath the surface. Nothing whatsoever. We're dealing with hardcore facts. Let's take medicine in the old days. What is medicine in the old days? Total trial and el- trial in, in, in error. Yes? You take this herb, it works, so if people know that this herb has some kind of correlation to heal this and this. People didn't understand exactly how the, circul- the, the circulation works, the circulatory system of the person. Certainly we did not understand uh, the, the, the central nervous system, we did not understand all the deals, the, the ideals how the the nerve transmission of the electrical impulses work, we didn't have any understanding of all of that. But we had the chitzenius of everything. We knew that if a person went a little crazy and he ate from these herbs, it would calm him down a little bit. Or if a person you know, had heart palpitations, we didn't even know what to call it, if he would eat this, calm him down, so on and so forth. What science started from that time and on, as the Zayar says, was a completely new thing. You know, how do you treat a cold? Discovered something that's called a germ microscopically detected something which is a germ. You got to the bottom of what the disease is, how it multiplies, exactly what, what it is, and now later on you could identify it and exactly to which family it belongs, which medicine would work against it, and so on and so forth. But nothing is working with the chitzenias, with the externals of things. Everything that you deal with today, if anybody is a true scientist, would just laugh at you if you come with symptoms. Symptoms are not even, you know, we're not looking at, we're looking at the core of things. That became electricity, what is electricity? Starting to look at the protons and the electrons and the neutrons of everything, you know, which level of dealing with, of, of the atom and so on and so forth. Light is not just lighting a candle anymore. Light means there's a, there's a photon when, it, when it's descending from one level to the other level, it emits, it emits another photon and many, many of all these things. Everything you deal today at every level, whether it's medicine, science, engineering, whatever level you deal with today, there's a new thing. What is the new thing? 
nothing new. Electricity was available way, 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 way before Benjamin Franklin and way before. Before everything, it's part of creation. Did anybody, did Edison, was it even a light bulb? Or he discovered it? But the Balshemtov did the same thing as the He started to take a look to the very depths of everything. Let's delve into the depth of something. And once you delve in, it is a new light. All of a sudden, as we said before, many, many questions fall away. Everything dissipates because all of a sudden you, you have it right in front of you. You have a new text. You have completely dealt with it inside. Now, coming back to Avedis Hashem. Avedis Hashem, the way a human being is put together, one of the greatest things that a human being is put together is to look at himself. Not only a human being, every creature, every animal wants oneself more than anything else. They would do anything in the world to save themselves, as they call it in the, the survival of the fittest or something like that, which is in their science, or whatever it is, that every creature really wants to survive. It will do everything in the world for oneself. Yeah? There's no person who ever woke up dreaming how the world would look without him. There's no such a thing. What he would do is he would go to sleep and he would dream how would he look at a world without him? How would he stand outside someplace in the galaxies and look down and look at the world? It's all, it's all eye-centric. It's all based on him. And as the man of us once said, it's only America or perhaps England as well that spells I, the capital letter. I is capitalized. That's the American way. But the truth is it's every human being is dead. The I is the center of everything in the world. So when you do something, let's start all over again. We bring the coffee and we do it without the neshama. Without the neshama, I do it for myself totally. What does it mean for myself totally? That I, want, I need to go to do business. I, need, I have to bring all money for my wife. And here my father now asks the coffee. Okay, I'll, let me see. I could make it in two minutes, a good one. I could make one not so good in a half a minute. Which one will I do? The one takes a half a minute. I comes first. I centric. Let's go do it quick. Over with. So that means they have no life, no vitality. You didn't serve your father. You served yourself. Came Musar and started to explain to you, know, Elam Haba, Ganadin is beautiful. And doing a mitzvah without chayas and serving your father that way really is meaningless. You have to give it all your heart and all your mind. And you start to describe Elam Haba. Now you realized all of a sudden that you know what? One second in Eilam Abba is worth much more than my entire business. So now the eye, the eye-centric, is changed. The eye is not anymore 10 copics. It's not even anymore $10. It's Eilam Abba. But what is the focus? Eye. What is the focus? It's me. It's like, can you tell it? Do children ever grow up? Never. A little child likes a lollipop because that's the greatest thing that he could think of. And all of a sudden, when he turns 9 or 10, he doesn't want the lollipop anymore. Do you think because uh, he grew up? No, because he didn't realize that for a dollar, he could buy 50 lollipops. He'd rather get a, lo get a dollar than a lollipop. And then he realizes that to be the CEO of IBM is, is much more than any lollipops you could get. That's much... Ah, so forget about all that. And I'll rather be the CEO of IBM. And it's, it's, just, it's just transforming from one eye to the next eye to the next eye. But it's all egocentric. It's all I. But the Baal Shem Tov came and said, let's delve in one 
little deeper level than all that. Let's be Megala Hashem in everything. It's Hashem-centric. Everything in this world is one iota, one nekuda. There's nothing else. Achdus Hashem. There's unity of God at every level in the world. The ultimate, the truthfulness, the only existence, the ultimate existence, the everlasting existence, the eternal, the internal, it is God Almighty. And that is the centric thing of everything. And that brought together all of these new ideas. If you don't want Chassidus, then a genius is a great man. A great scholar is the greatest he could have because that is a man who has something to show. A poor scholar, women, children, the ignorant, uh, have very little to show to their lives. They, they mean very little. But if it's not eye-centric, if it's what does Hashem want, every creature Hashem created has equal importance. Otherwise, he'd not be here. If you, if you make a pot of soup, every grain of salt is important there, every grain of sugar is important, and every vegetable and every drop of water. And if one is not important, it would have not been given in there. It wouldn't have been put in there. If, it's, if he's only a good chef, and certainly God is one. And if God made anything, it has the mightiest importance than anything else. So therefore, Ahavas Yisrael, to uplift, to bring out the best within every Jew, the most important aspect you could ever have. Joy. Why is a person not happy? Only an egocentrical person is not happy. Because... He never fulfills his dream. Because when he's finally the CEO of IBM, he realizes that the CEO of Intel has a Jaguar and he doesn't. That means he's getting paid more. So now he wants to become the CEO of Intel. And then their stocks go down, and then now he wants to be the CEO of uh, NASA, being a science, uh, you know, space scientist. And it's all egocentrical. He can never be happy. Because the Gemara says no person ever dies. And he has half of what he wanted in his life because when he has a hundred, he needs two hundred. When he has two hundred, he needs four hundred. When he has a million, he needs two million. So the poor fellow who has ten cents in his pocket is not that poor because he's only missing another ten cents. Big deal. <laughs> the millionaire, Gewalt, Gewalt, is he missing a lot? That's the truth. That's the truth. Because if you're looking for yourself, there's never self fulfillment. The Valshantov came. You don't belong in this picture. And if the only thing that belongs in the picture is to make Hashem happy, then if Hashem is happy, you're happy. So Simcha, if somebody is not the Simcha that Hashem has said, as the Gemara says, What are you angry about? Something is missing for you? So, big deal. There is something, a completely different, different picture to it. And then you go further to Avedis Atvilo, as opposed to learning. Not as opposed, let's not make a mistake. As I said before, we need both. We need the skeleton and the life, with the emphasis. So, Avedis Atvila, what is Avedis Atvila? Avedis Atvila is Dveikas to Hashem. In learning, one might lose himself, forget the Nisana Tayra, forget the one who gave the Tayra, and get involved with the logic, and get involved with all the beauty of it. And as we know, it is a great something that we derive from it, and it gives us status, it makes us a Rav, it makes us a Shliach, it makes us a Dayan, it makes us many, many things, as opposed to davening, the whole focus of davening is to, as, the, as it says, in halacha, that a person has to get to his pashtus agashmias. His pashtus agashmias means undress of old worldly matters. Before davening, the halacha requires in Shulchan not only in the Altar Rebbe 
in the regular Shulchan Aruch, that one sits for a few moments and meditates about the greatness of Hashem. But Shiflus Atzmoi, about the unworthiness of oneself, and another job he has to do in that moments of meditation is to close the bank, to close his business, to close his broken oil boiler now and the, the muffler that it fell down, to cast everything aside, that's how the Shulchan Aruch says, and, says, and to delve into a new realm. This is the world of Hashem. That's what Dveik is. That's what Davening is. Tfil is Meloshen Naftulei Alekim Niftalti, Meloshen of Chibur, of attachment. That's what Tfil is, to attach to Hashem. So again, of course, so the Hashem Tov came and he did one little tiny switch. Instead of egocentric, Hashem-centric. That's what he made. And that made such a revolution in the entire world, which people couldn't understand at the beginning. What was questions to so many, of course, if somebody's egocentric, you don't understand what the man wants. The man is a crazy man. Because everything is upside down now. Everything, the entire drive is a completely different drive. It is, everything is, is just, it's just to please Hashem. And that becomes his very nature. That is the very essence of the person. That is his joy, is to please Hashem. Let's take for an example one particular look at one particular thing. It's about Gaiva. As we're talking about egocentric, let's talk about Gaiva. Gaiva means bogus, arrogant, as all the Musaswaran deal with the idea of one not to be arrogant. Yes? There is a Sefer, there's a Sefer, it's called Yeshe Divayamus. Marach Abad Sefer. It's a Sefer in Chagas. He gives a marshal that every human being, that a human being who was born on, on the top of a mountain, will he ever know that he lives on the top of, top of a mountain? That's what he was born. And he doesn't live next to the cliff. He lives about three kilometers deep in there. And that's where he lives, that's where he's all his life. Would he know ever that he's on top of a mountain? As far as he feels, it's flat land. Because he never saw the valley. He says only when he gets to the cliff, he realizes, oh, give out, how high am I? So he gives this as a muscle. Every human being was born with gaiva, with egotism. Every human being is arrogant. And it's only when you start to serve Hashem, when you start to work on yourself, only then do you reach the cliff and you start to descend the ninja and you realize, hey, Gevald, where was I? And it takes time to go lower and lower and lower. question is asked, why is that? Can anybody explain me why every human being? I know personally, and I'm sure you all of, know, all of you knew, know many people who are by nature very humble people, people who are benevolent. You'd ask anything you'd ask them, they'd give you right away. They're people who are given over to society and have no shred, no ounce, and no nothing of of being egocentrical. Or you know, and why is it that the Yesha Divrahma says that every Jew is born on a mountain? The answer is, Gaiva was looked upon until the Balshemtov came as what? Gaiva was looked upon as somebody showing off. Somebody belittling another person, I am greater than you, I'm better than you. But if a person is humble, if a person says, you know what, I'm not greater than you, Perhaps you're better than me. That's not Gaiva anymore. Is that correct? Now let me ask you. 
I'll give you two equations. A general who wants to become a janitor. Is that Gaiva or not? A general in the army who has, uh, I don't know the ranks, how it goes, and he has five uh, purple hearts, and he has uh, who knows how many medals he has. And he says, you know what, I hate the limelight. I can't stand this. I don't want to be higher than anybody else. I'd rather be the simple folk. janitor is as egoistical as the janitor wants to become the general. Why? Because there's a plan of Hashem. Neither you exist nor, nor the janitor exists. There's a plan of Hashem. And a plan, Hashem created great minds and he created people of rather simple things. <coughs> and the simpleton is supposed to be what he's supposed to be and you're supposed to be what you're supposed to be. If a person could be the great Rav, and he decides, you know what, I don't want to bother, I want to sit in my corner and study and learn, that's ego. That's ego. Not in the words of Musr, because yes, you're more refined. When we're dealing in Musr, we're dealing, we're refining the person which Lahabdil, a guy can do the same thing. It is unrefined to say, I want. It is unrefined to be an ego, and to have a focus and, and an overt ego. It is unrefined. So what are you doing? You're refining yourself. Refinement doesn't mean God. Refinement means a nicer, a different, a different manifestation of the ego. Instead of a lollipop. That's a refinement, but it's me. The idea over here, the Balshemtev came, is a new concept. And I gave last year, those who remember, those who were here, I gave the marshal. The Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, the Alter in I'm sorry, the Alter Rebbe says that, as we see from everybody, that is a head, the two legs. The head should never, never, ever uh, pride itself that I'm greater than the legs. Because if you want to go someplace, the head can't walk. Stand on your head. You can't walk on your head. Yeah? So if you want to walk, what do you need to do? Use your legs. So the Alter Rebbe says, therefore, since we see that nobody has a fulfillment, nobody has shlemers, therefore, nobody can have a real, real ego. When I learned this initially, the first time it bothered me very much. It sounded like a muscle given in many Muslim Swaram, Hafiz Chaim, and other Swaram, which is a holy Swaram, and all that. But it didn't seem to me to bring out the, the notion of the Balshemtov, the notion of what the Alter Rebbe is teaching. To tell a head, don't be so, don't be so, um, proud of yourself, but there are certain things you can do. Or go over to a brain surgeon was full of it. And you tell him, listen, you know what? You're not really the greatest because uh, you cannot play basketball and uh, there's a seven-footer there who knows how to play basketball wins every match. You know, and you can't do that. What will be his response? Will he lose one ounce of his ego? What will he say? I never claimed to be the biggest basketball player, but I claim to be the best neurosurgeon around. Yes, that I am. You go to a great mathematician and you tell him, listen, you're a great mathematician, but when it comes to cook, you're not a chef. You can cook something, people will run out of the house. He says, I never claimed to be the biggest chef, but I am the greatest mathematician. So Lechuda, what is the Alter Rebbe saying? The head shouldn't pride itself because it can't walk. The head never claimed to be a walker. The head claimed to be a great intellect. Nothing to do with walking. In fact, he despises walking. That's beneath him. Walking is a physical act. He doesn't care about that. So how does the Alter Rebbe explain for one not to have 
this, this great pride on this guy. And the answer I gave was a simple marshal. And that answers many, many questions of other side questions is um, who was greater? The Al-Rabakiva, the Rebbe, other magician, Moshiach, Moshe Rabbeinu. Have a pick. Who was the greatest? Who is going to be the greatest? It's a, a, a question that bothers many, many of us. Babavachers, you know, we're given over to the Rebbe with every aspect of our neshama. We go to the Yayel and we do many, many things to tie and have a discussion with the Rebbe. And you know, but there was a Rebbe Kiva, there was a Moshe Rabbeinu, so for this, this person is not a constant big deal. He is, you know, he has Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's true. Adon Afshik Savis Yahavis Moshe Rabbeinu is in every Pasuk in Torah. He gave his life as neshama and the Hashem is in every Pasuk. You take two college students. You want to know one is an A student, the one is a B student. Who is greatest? Raise your hands. Not everything is, in, is, is so deep. Some, some things are simple. <laughs> <laughs> Who is greater? The A student. I, he's, he, he's tempted to say the C student. I know. No. If. Okay, that that you that, that you're 100% right because that, that now that but now you're measuring effort. We're talking if, some, if IBM wants to hire somebody, you know, who would they hire? The A student or the C student? In the eyes of Hashem, the C student is greater. That we know a long time ago. But that that that's not a question. But we're talking on using it as an analogy, simple in our world. The A or the B or the C. The A student is the best student. And I'll show you where, when it comes to intellect, the A, B, and C are simple. Are, are, I'm sorry, are similar or the same. There is a king who hired an entire group to build a palace. And he said, I need for this palace a excavator to dig out the ground. Then I need somebody as a masoner to make the foundation. I need a framer to make the framework. I need a, uh, I need a, a sheet rocker. I need a painter. I need a plumber. I need an electrician. There are many different levels. One is an A, one is a B, one is a C. Many things. I need some guy to come and sweep out the floor after. They put all the sheet racks. There's a lot of white dust. I need just a guy with a broomstick who knows nothing. Just knows how to sweep. That's all he needs. Sweep. He can't just sweep. He's a retarded person, but he knows how to sweep perfectly. Who is greater? All of them are even. There's one Nakuda. What is the Nakuda? The palace. The king. What do you mean, who's greater? We need a palace. Any effort you put into the palace, and if you take out one of them, the whole palace collapses. You have nothing. What do you mean, who's greater? And that is such a diametrical difference of, of an outward citizen. All of a sudden, we're not trying to refine myself. No matter how much I'm going to refine myself, it will stay myself. What I'm trying to do is what? to tap in on Hashem's world. The Al-Tarebbe says, Eresh, of course. You know, we're talking two different languages. We don't understand. I remember I had, I have an uncle. He told me once. He says it was a teacher who taught, who taught uh, math in the classroom. So I went over to a little child and he says, um, your father loaned a thousand bucks to a friend. He already paid back $500. How much does he owe your father? Child takes out a pen and a paper, says a thousand minus one five hundred. He says he owes my father a thousand dollars. 
teacher says, what? Don't forget, he already paid back $500. How much does he owe? So it's past 1985. The child is allowed to have a calculator in school already. Takes out a calculator, the thousand minus 500. Says, teacher, he owes my father $1,000. Teacher gets very upset with the student says, you stupid child. You don't know your math. Looks up at the teacher says, you stupid teacher, you don't know my father. <laughs> you know? And sometimes you have two different wavelengths. He talks about math and he talks about his father. You know? If you talk about the human being as this egocentrical being, well, and then you talk about God being centered, we don't have the same discussion. Sometimes Musa and Chassidus, what is by one a question is by one an answer, what is by one an answer is by one a question. And in your world, I have no answer. In the world of math, the child says to the teacher, I'm sorry, in the world of math, you might be right, I'm not dealing with that. I have no answer to your question in math. I have an answer in reality. And the teacher has nothing, has nothing to do with his father. He says, I have no question in your father's life. My question is a total mathematical question. What kind of an answer are you giving me? That's how sometimes we don't see eye to eye. It's not because we have a detailed question. These are two different worlds we're dealing with. Are we dealing with self? Or are we dealing with the project? Are we dealing with the unity of godliness? Of God. And therefore the Valshat of the Alter Rebbe comes and says, Of course, if you have a question like I asked, like a foolish fellow asked, the Reish says, I'm the greatest neurosurgeon. I couldn't care less about walking. Yeah, of course, in the world of math, you're right. In the world of egocentrical, of oneself being the center, you're right. The head is greater than the legs. Walking isn't as important as, as brains. You know, the neurosurgeon is greater than a ball player. It's much more important. That I couldn't care less if I don't know how to play ball. I wouldn't wish to play ball. I have no, no desire for it whatsoever. But then, we're just paging another page and there's a new view there's a new program over here the question is not you the Alter Rebbe says there's a Kaim there's a wholesome body there's a human being what is the most important for a human being? to live in order to live what do you need? one could come and say well the spleen isn't so important uh, maybe the liver is not important oh the kidney is not important uh, the, you know the, the lymph node system is not important the, the, the circulatory system is not what are you talking about? which, which one of them is not important? Maybe they, they're thinking about the appendix. So they'll wake up one day. Yeah. Which one is not important? There's no such thing. But it doesn't answer the old question. If you really want to ask a head, are you greater? The head will still say I'm greater. Until you change the program, we're not talk talking about you. You made a mistake, sir. Wake up. We're not talking about you. There's a body. There's a human body. What do you mean, who's greater? Now, when you build this palace, the question is Hashem. Who's greater? I don't understand what you're talking about. There's not one speck of, of ingredient in the soup that is not important. Otherwise, the chef doesn't put it in. So what do you talk, what do you mean greater? The word greater ceases to exist anymore. And that is coming back to the explanation of the way Hasidus looks. And here, this is just a little focus of one thing, how you look at Musr, how Musr already took out the coldness of davening, the coldness of learning, and added zest to it, and added flavor to it, and fervor, and gave it vitality, and yet the focus is a completely different focus. It's like before the year Sheish Meyes, as the Zohar says. It's not scratching beneath the surface. It's the invention of a rubber tire. It's inventions of layers of, of, of oil, of greasing the wheels. It is not the new idea of which is not new, which is getting to the nucleus of the atom. So to get to the bottom line of everything is Hashem. And all of a sudden, the focus change of everything changed. 
This joy of Eden were a new joy. The Avedah was a new Avedah. The actual deed became alive. Not only the, the, the Havet Hashem became alive, the coffee was a different coffee. Because the coffee that I make in a coffee that is Hashem's coffee is a completely different coffee. The whole level of everything, it's not just a question of two different ways, a better way. Two ways, there's the and this safer, that safer. Chassidus came to give <coughs> this deeper dimension to the whole thing. And this is one speck of one muscle, how all of a sudden the idea of gaiva, take any look, look at any safer, any Muslim safer who deals with gaiva, or take any halacha, the Rambam, who deals with gaiva, how a person should lower himself, should not look in the eyes of anybody, should walk, look down, should walk slowly, and he should act in a way that slowly it will crush him, it will bring him down to his knees. So Balchuvah should never raise his voice. He should always feel the pain of his of his yisurim, of his avenus. And so, and, you know, and all these things which are all beautiful, all ends. Chazu Shalom, not the But it's the chetzen is the level of everything. It is the way the human mind understands and looks at it. Not the way Kabbalah looks at it. Not the way Chassidus looks at it. Because that is a completely different dimension. That is a completely different thing. Just to finish off, the, this discussion, and therefore somebody asks the question, who is greater, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Bakiva, the Rebbe? The first two years, the excavator came. Finally, when the, the hole is dug, now who comes? Now the mason comes. And then after that, the framer comes. All of a sudden, we're holding about the 50th floor, and now what we need to do is from the 50th floor and, above, and beyond, there's going to be glass all around. Up until there, it's cement, and thereafter, we're going to be glass. So we're at the 98th floor, we're building glass, and a guy wakes up and says, why can't I go back to digging now? Why? Moshe Rabbeinu was good for me. Joshua was good for me. I'm going back to digging. I'm going to make now a foundation. Oh, you're, you're in an assembly line. There's something. Now we're going to paint. Now we're doing glass work. Where are you running back to once? So therefore, every generation is not an accident. It has a nasi hadayid or many in the CM or whatever it is, whichever way you want to look at it, who give the direction to their people, who through them is the palaces being built as another shlaf, another step towards Mashiach, towards the finalization of, these great, of this great, great project, which is called the Palace of Hashem. And therefore, this, this gives a completely different focus, a different change in, 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 in every aspect, in every aspect of life. I told you once, I said it last year, I'm going to make it very short because it seems like it's taking a lot of time, all these things. But somebody asked me once, somebody asked me once in the Chabad house, why is it? The Chinuch says one of the foundations of what we believe, why we believe in in Teda Messina is based on a rule that no person will inherit deception to his children. Ever heard that Chinuch? The Agdam of Sefer HaChinuch that's one of his rules that no person would inherit a lie to his children. And based on that, that's a common fact. Fact. Therefore, based on this, if three million people experienced Matan they gave it over to their children, their children, their children. So this man is an innocent man, asks me a question. He says, Rabbi, don't you know there's Muslims? Don't you know there are Christians? And the rule that the Chinuch gave is a common, common rule that applies to all human, human beings alike. Now why is it that Christianity, you don't believe in Christianity? No father ever deceives his children. So if Christians believe there's certainly much more than 3 million, they have 71 million just in America. Yeah, so stun the rabbi. So what I told them was, first of all, anybody would come and say 
that Paul never lived and Peter never lived, that you could call 911 and admit it, no question about it. Based on this chinuch. Anybody would come and say George Washington never lived, you could also lock him up. I don't know about his cherry tree, but he'll certainly live. Yeah, why? You know, these are facts of, of, of history. You can't deny those things. So the fact that Peel, uh, Peter and Paul, they had visions and they declined five disciples. Well, they said that. There's no question about it. They said it. They wrote books about it. It wasn't printed out, you know, in midair someplace. Of course it happened. The question is whether they had the vision. That's the question. It starts out from one single person who said, I envision. And if I don't, you don't give me a million dollars by tomorrow, you're all going to die. So therefore, you know, all deliver. Well, that's the question. Is that true? As opposed to Bayidin, it's not Moshe Rabbein who said so. It's all three million of us, men, women, and children. All of us experienced exactly the same thing all at the very same time. And they are separately giving over what they saw. But at Hanama, it's true that whatever you give over, as much as it's true the first moment, that's what is transmitted later on. So if somebody says, I envisioned, and he transmits it to his kids, what is true about that? That it's true that he said, I envisioned. That's all true. And the next generation is also true that they said, that the grandfather said, that he envisioned. Yes, it's all true. But you go back to the foundation, the house has nothing to stand on. As opposed to Yiddishkeit, so the question of the Chinuch is not, is not on the authenticity of Matan itself. The question is basically on uh, on the assembly line, how it traveled down to us on the transmission lines. How did the fiber optic work? With there's no crack in the fiber optic, the Chinuch says no fiber optics work very well. No father deceives a child. So especially with religion, with something that is so close to them. So that's what the transmission, the transmission line is something that the Chinuch paved for us. But go back to the beginning of the line. What is it? Is it sound? Is it light? Is it elect uh, electromagnetic waves? That depends. All of this could be transmitted down. So the same way you could transmit down something, it transmits back at the same line. Just go back to the beginning of the line and look what it is. Uh, if you look what it is and it doesn't hold up, this guy. But that's the side issue. Then I, to I, I told you, you know what, but let's make something that's more relevant now that we can understand more and we can feel more. How about like this? Which one is more true? Chavis Alvarez on the Siddhas Hashem. Are you all familiar with these terms? Chayvah Salomis is a safer, it's called the duty of the heart. Which is a safer, which is one of the foundations of Swaram, of Musar Swaram. Written by the time of the Rishayim. Musulus Yisharim is a safer written by the Ramchal. There's another Musa safer that's mostly founded on Mamari Chazal. On words of our sages. Which one is a better way to study? Which safer is better? Can anybody tell me? Anybody has a preference? What's your preference? Huh? Okay, let's take Swaran from the Rishonim. Shara Tshuva L'Rabbeini Yain. The Shara Tshuva L'Rabbeini Yain is the Sefer Ayasha from the Rabbeini Tam. Which one is, which one would you pick? Which one is better? No. Shara Yasha, why? The Shara Tshuva. Ah, the only one you read. Beautiful. <coughs> Answer beautiful. That means an outsider, a person who's non-subjective, non an objective person, what would he say? Which one is better? He, but an outsider, he didn't learn, didn't study any of them. He would say to you, Sefer Ayashir is better because that's what you study. To you, Shara Chuv is better because that's what you study. And you know what? In 20 years from now, we'll be a little bored of Sefer Ayashir because he did it so many times. You're going to start to love Sefer Ayashir and he's going to switch because he learned too much Shara Chuv. And all of a sudden, you'll have opposite opinions all over again. Why? Because you know the truth is, they're both equal. They're different but equal. 
this is more seichelik, this is more proof, whatever. It's a different, many different ways. Kalan chalam holchem eloyam, as described in the Svar. There are many paths to reach to the ocean. Which one is better? I don't know what you're talking about. Each one to who, who is more comfortable with, depending where you live. If you live here, you go to this path. If you live here, you go through this path. What do you mean? They're both they're all the same. Yeah? But now, how about to take something else? Let's take something else. Somebody learned Chumash all his life. Never got to learn Rashi. Never grew up in a little town, a hick town. There's no yeshivas there. He learned Rashi, Chumash. And there's another guy who went to Cheder and learned Chumash with Rashi. So they have an argument. One says Chumash is the best thing in the world. You know, without too many commentaries, it's just the stories of the Bible. It's so beautiful. You don't make human interpretations. You don't twist things. It's just the way it is. It's beautiful. The other guy says, nah, nah, nah. you don't know what you're talking about, you know. It's like one big puzzle. You, you, can't, you can't put it together. But, uh, with Rashi, ah, that Chumash makes more sense. Now, the objective first, what is he supposed to say? Who's right and who's wrong? Remember the key word you said before. I only learned Shari Yeah? He only learned Sefer Ayasha. And therefore, when you will learn the other one, you might switch. The one who learned only Chumash will say Chumash is the best thing. Did he ever learn Rashi? What do you, what's your guess? Never learned Rashi. What will happen when he's going to learn Rashi? Will he ever, ever go back to learn Chumash? Chumash without Rashi. He won't. <coughs> So the objective person here would say, which one is better? Chomish with Rashi. Why all of a sudden he's prejudiced now? Before he couldn't decide, he said, both. he's taking his stand already. He has an opinion. You know why? Because there, there are two ways. There's one way, and there's the same way with an enhancement. Not two ways. It's the Chomish, and Chomish again. Chomish with Rashi. It's a deeper look at Chomish. Chomish with Rashi. It's two different swords. You know, the two different svarim. Musr and, or halacha musr, and then chsidis is not a different way. Although I called it before a new program. But you know what? It's a new program within the old program. It's scratched a bit deeper. Looked a little bit deeper and found that there's godliness with it. Beneath everything there's a God. Achdus Hashem, unity of... Well, wait a second. Will anybody ever go back to the old? There's not two different ways. So is the simple, the more profound proof to that. So first let me go back to what I told this, this fellow, this, who had a question about Christianity. I told him, go back in history, and I'm sure some of you majors in history, how many Goyim became Jews? Converted. And the hundreds of them, and the hundreds. The Kuzri made the whole city, the Kuzri, you know, the whole, whole country of the Abiyudah lady, yeah? And so there were hundreds of Meir, Bakiva, all stem from Gaelim, Shmaiv, Aftalim, a whole of them. Yeah? Tanoim, Amirun, all come Gaelim, hundreds of Gaelim were. And none of them came to the land of milk and honey. All of them came in the time of crusaders, in the times of pogroms, and half of them gave their lives on the altar for daring to become Jewish. None of them came for the fun of it. It was a deep conviction that the ultimate truth was there. Now let's turn the tables. How many do you know of Jews? And I'm not talking of Jews who wanted an easier life, but wanted to run away from programs, wanted to run away from crusaders, and wanted to run, run away and be able to have a job in, in the University of Moscow, so you had to say you're a guy or something like that. But a person who learned through Shas, Babli, Yerushalmi, then he felt 
that's only the goof of Torah, not enough. Then he went through and learned Zayek. Then he learned Kabbalah, perhaps also Chassidus. And then he said, something is missing. I'm looking for something more. Let's try Christianity. I'd like to find that person. I'd like to find that person. So, by statistic, by scientific proof, you don't have two different ways. You have people of every religion in the world coming to the Jewish religion. And everybody will admit that this is, this is the, 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 the nucleus that all religions spring forth from. It begins from, oh, the Bible, that's the Holy Bible. There are just mutations to it later on. Some, some you know, mutated cells that took, you know, became what it's called cancer, excuse me. Uh, which, they mutated a little bit and they went off. But all of that stuff, so, so the question is, so I told them simple, so by, by pure logic, you had millions, or no, I wouldn't say millions, but thousands of them who came to Jewish life, and nobody just turned away just out of ideolo ideology that he felt there's no fulfillment over here. Of course, because it's too difficult, it happened by many people. Yeah? So, let's take this step further. Um, when is it lately that you find, if you found a chassad who studied through all chassidus, all writings of the Tanya and the Bashantov, and he realized that Chassidus is no good. And he's going to go back to Musa. Do you know any such person? Ask around. You come with the answer, come tell me. I'd like to know. But how many misnagdim do you know that became Chassidim? A few thousand? hundred thousand? Two hundred thousand? All of them. Every Chassid was once misnagdim. Because when the Balshantov came, there were no Chassidim. Every, each and every one of them, the, the Rebbe Melech from Lezhensk, the great giant, was it the first? The Mazritcher Magids. All of them came of the Snagdisha background. And all of them were great Mesnagdim. The Polna, the, 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 the Toldas, all of them were great Mesnagdim. And what they realized, that shows you what? That it's not a different way. Because the Gemara tells us the same way that our faces are not equal, are not alike, so our minds don't work alike. It is impossible to take somebody and to convince 2,000 people or 200,000 people that everybody should think like me. That's impossible. Everybody has a mind of his own. But by Chumash and Asha, you can do it interesting. How? Because you're still going to have your differences. But the idea was, it wasn't a new way, it wasn't a different way. You t he took you to a step higher than it was before. Nobody goes backwards. Nobody's interested in going backwards. Once you discovered science, would everybody go back to herbal life like they did in the olden days, trial and error? Would anybody do that, use medicine like they did, did in the olden days? Once you discover germs, then you know how to have to treat the germ, you have to fight the infection by killing the germ. Would you go back to any other way? It's crazy. Except holistic medicine, that's we'll discuss another time. But that also is like chassidus, that's another, another explanation, the difference whether to f look at the sin of, or the, but that's another, another, another topic. So the idea is that chassidus, with all the greatness, with all the new program, with all the idea, it came in to inject one thing. Achidus Hashem is the most central thing in anything. That gives you joy, of course. If there's Ahmed Hashem, every speck in the world is Hashem. What do you mean? What do you mean there's no Every speck of everything is Ashgach There's a different outlook on Gaida. So, of course, the general who wants to become now a janitor, Rahman al Islam. Who are you to choose now that we have to do a different, now we have to lay the bricks? Who are you to choose a different course? Because you don't want to be in the limelight. That's you. Because, in other words, listen to these words. Because you want to be an Anna. That's why Hashem should lose a general. You're listening to this? Without you don't understand this. Because the focus is on me. If I want to be an honor, it is the greatest refined me that I could ever be. I didn't ask you to be a refined you. 
I asked you to, to chip in to the cause of Hashem. Didn't ask you to be the most refined you. One of the aspects that Hashem wants from a person is to be the most refined as well. Of course, we should work on that too. Musr has its place. But ultimately, when you get to the bottom line, there's a question. Hashem wants me to be a Rav now, or wants me to be a general. But I want to be an honor because that will make me very refined. Says the Yeshadim where is every person born? On the mountain. Every person, the most humble person, lives on a mountain. Because nobody ever woke up and thinking, not of I. So when you want to be an honor, and a serious honor, a person who really hates the limelight, really wants to hide an Amazon, a nutstick. I mean a serious honor if you want to be. But it's I want to be something that is not the call of the day. Because Hashem gave me the brains, gave me the capabilities of being a leader, and the time, the call of duty is to be the leader now. You know? So with this focus, with Agdas Hashem focus, Anivas was turned around. Gaiva was turned It's a completely different focus. Where all of us were born on the mountain. Start learning Chassidus, what happens then? He realizes, well, wait a second. We're, we're not talking about math. We're talking about my father. We're talking about a different thing altogether. That's when we see the cliff. All of a sudden, we realize how egoistical this big honor was. That's just to shed a light on one little tiny aspect and subject, but it does answer many questions. And let's run through very quickly. It does answer a bit the question of what Hasidus came all about. It does answer the question of of, uh, of why people have to follow the Rebbe in our times and our deals, why who's greater, who's not greater, and all these types of questions. I did not touch upon how Chabad is different than Chagas, but how Chabad is different than Ramchal is certainly answered. I can't even put it into the same room. Ramchal, to And not Chaz Shalom to cast them aside. No, nobody should Chaz Shalom say that the skeleton is unimportant. And let me use my own marshal. If Chaz Shalom, anybody would say that Musa is not important. Or anybody would say that, that, that Halacha is not important or anything like that. It's like saying that the little painter or the sweeper, the janitor is not important in the palace. God forbid. You know, there's such a thing as the wagon has to go. The wagon driver doesn't have to understand the atoms and how the friction would work and what will create sparks and all that out. He has to schmeiz the bed and he has to run. That's his job. There's pshat in tayin. There's simplistic halachas which you have to know simple halacha. You know, sometimes also many people, I, I found that with many people who come to learn chassidus and they got so in, 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 in intrigued by chassidus. So it's important to know if you ever saw a picture on the wall, a painting, the further you stay from it sometimes the beautiful it is. Because today, how do you make a picture today? It's all computer age. Well, how do you make a picture? It's all made by, how do you call it, um, BPI or what, no, P, what is it called? Huh? No, it's the dots. Huh? DPI. Okay, the DPI, you know? The more DPI, the better the picture. If you go too close to the picture, you lose the whole picture. You see dots. If somebody will try to take the picture close, on, what is this dot? Does that belong into a race? They put it away before. So many people, I found many people start to learn chassidus, and all of a sudden, the, his mother calls him up tomorrow and says, uncle, I know you learned in yeshiva for two, two months, but you know, your father is very ill and he needs you to come home for two days to help. He needs some paperwork to be done. Please come home. And this uncle starts, oh, wait a second, I'm going to ask Rabbi Dick. I'm going to talk to Rabbi Dubinsky because I want to know where does this happen, Sphira, this Chachmar, this Bina? 
Well, your father needs your help. You know, pick yourself up and go help your father. You come back to yeshiva. We're starting to, you know, all of a sudden becoming experts in spheres. We're becoming experts in Achdus Hashem. And we know exactly, no, no, you know, there's Allah, and you need to keep it out there, go ahead, bring the coffee, do what you need to do. There's a whole, and then you come back to yeshiva, then the yeshiva puts up a big, you know, screen, which they take every speck of the DPI, and separates it, and starts to show you the beauty beneath, beneath the sky, beneath the earth, of the beauty of the atom. You know, when, when a father gives a little child to eat, it doesn't give feed of atoms. Although the milk has in it copper and has in it iron, it has all the elements in it, you don't feed a child elements. You don't give your child iron, you don't give him copper, you give him milk. It takes care of all the, yes, it's all true, beneath the sky, it's all the iron and the copper and all the beauty of all that. But you feed him food. So do it everything. So, but that's what Chassidus is. So when you want to put together, so Chazr Shalom to say that Musa is not important, Chazr Shalom to say Allah is not important, or anything, all of them are part of this mosaic, of this beautiful puzzle. And... And, but to, to ask what is the difference well it's heaven and earth this is the simplicity this is the body and this is the unity of God the way it shines in, the, in this how you can take halacha by halacha aspect by aspect and take a look at how the light of Chassidus looks at it and how the, how the light of Chassidus looks at it which is a different light if one would ask is this a new Torah? no for Haraya the Alter Rebbe when he wants to give his explanation is based on the Pasuk which Pasuk? That never explains the Balshemtov's idea of Kachaprat uh, is more than that. He says it's based on a Pasig until forever and ever your words, Hashem Almighty God, your words stand there in heaven. It means that Hashem constantly creates everything. So why do we need to learn Chassidus if David Amalek said it? David Amalek knew it already. Every word, he take out the Kutukayda, what is it? Every passion begins with uh, this week's passion, will begin by Yigashel of Yehuda. So it's based on Pasha Bayigash, no? So Pasha Bayigash. Why do you have to learn Tanya for? Uh, so it's like uh, somebody would ask like this: uh, the Gemara, how many pages are in the Gemara? About three thousand pages, two thousand pages of blotted on Shas. Three thousand something, two thousand something like that. Somebody would say Mishnayos only has five hundred pages or less. Mm-hmm. Every speck of the Gemara, every letter in the Gemara is all hinted to in the mission. Is it yes or not? It's all an elaboration of the mission. So one would come and say, why do I need to learn? Why do I need to learn Gemara when all of it is already in the mission? I'm just learning mission. The answer is, you ever heard the term Gavra and Chefza? Gavra means the human being. Chefza means the object. Yeah, the object of the Gemara is all in the mission. But in order to Gavra, in order that I should know the Gemara, I can't learn mission. Because I won't see it there. I have to learn the Gemara. That will teach me. And it will show me how it's in the mission. The Balshemta was not machadish anything. The Benjamin Franklin didn't make electricity. It's all there, but you needed him to tell it to you. You needed somebody to discover it, and you need to learn it, which otherwise you wouldn't know it. It's all within the words of David Amalek, within the words of Meshul Abenu, within the words of Shleim Amalek, and all and all and all those. But as we're progressing towards Mashiach, and the revelation needs to be more, it isn't enough that it's all in the mission. Gemara has to come about. And therefore, Chassidus has to come about. And the Gavra, we have to start living with it. In order to live with this, it is much, much easier to tell a person, bring the coffee to your father, let it be caffeinated or decaffeinated. That takes 10 minutes, or perhaps a little more. But then to have the chayas and the feeling, the changeover of the vision, the changeover of the program of egocentric or Hashem. 
That doesn't take one minute and it doesn't take one lecture. It takes much more than a question and answer period. And that's why we have to go to the oil, learn chassidus, and learn chassidus, and more chassidus, because that is a changeover of an entire being. That is a life force, the revival of a being, that takes a lot of force. And that is the key issue. To say that it's more important than Allah, as I said before, nothing is more important than Allah. But that will give you the main understanding, the main appreciation for Allah as well. If we looked at it, as we looked before Chassidus, there's the A student, there's the B student, there's Chassidus, there's Musar, there's Chavis Abal, there's Shara, there are hundreds of things, and they're all in competition, and the question is who's greater, then you can come up with a question. What is greater, one mitzvah or Chassidus? Well, there's no such questions anymore. Everything is important. It's all Hashem's plan. But in order for us to do that one mitzvah properly, and one mitzvah is what it counts, you need wings, you need a lot of chassidus, a lot of, a lot of things to, to make it work. Yes, you had a question before I realized. Yeah. Uh, how sometimes you talk with other people, like uh, from Beit and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is not for me, this is not for me. But one day they, you talk to them about, you hear about the revenue, I don't believe that this is sad, whatever, this is very bad. And one day they, they have a problem, and they see crowd. They go to the hotel, and then they come back to you, and they take you no gave the 613 mitzvah, when Hashem said, thou shall not steal, he didn't speak to Gentiles, he spoke to Jews. That means there's certain tendencies in Jews to steal. And when God said, God forbid, don't sleep with your aunt, he also spoke to Jews. You know? So by people coming up and pointing fingers, how come this is by Jews? And this, we have every problem that everybody has on a smaller scale, because we're limited. And that's why our job is to undo these things. But I don't understand the question. You're asking a question on that particular person. Now your question is right and it should not be answered. It should not be friction. Why should I be the devil's advocate and answer it? Let it stay a question. It's a very good question. But in order to make it a little easier for you to, to digest, I had a conservative person ask me once, why is it that everybody, like Jewish people, are fighting constantly? By the Orthodox. And by conservative people, there's less fights, I'm sure. No fights. So I told them, first of all, um, just call me to the election day when they choose president. I'll find out whether the fights or not. But they don't fight about the mechitza. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Six inches, five, four inches, five, three inches, none. Okay. Yeah. They don't fight about that. 
So I gave him Pasha to Moshe. I asked him, do you like lilac? He says, I love lilac. Okay, no, sorry, bro. Do you like green? He says, I hate it with passion. I said, hey, you're, you're working for IBM, and they're throwing a holiday party. You know, it's a collective holiday. It's uh, including, including all kinds of holidays. So you have to go. You're part of the business. So you go to the party, and you come there, and you know what? All the tablecloths, all the chairs, the cups, everything is green. Would you storm out of there? He said, I couldn't care less. Let it be any color. I couldn't care less. I'm here just to pay tribute. I, I want my job. I want my paycheck on Friday. That's all I want. So I asked him, how about if your daughter is getting married the next week from now and she's going to make everything in green? She says, he says, I won't pay for the wedding. If they don't make it to my taste, why should I pay? <coughs> you see what happens? All of a sudden, the caring person becomes the venomous person. The person who cares puts up a fight for things. He's opinionated, but you don't care. Green, yellow, lilac, who cares? People who care for things, for ideology, for Allah, are opinionated people. And they don't see eye to eye. And it goes out of hand that you should understand how to disagree with each other in a civil way. That's what I say, we have human frailty. But why we see by us certain frictions? Because we have shittas. Because we have a belief system. Most people, you believe in God. Oh, you don't? Okay. We're liberal. Or, as long as my TV works at night when I come home. That's all okay. So the other guys, who cares? You know? And that's, that's how it is. But when it comes to choose the president, even on the conservative shoulder fights. Because, ah, oh, that he cares. But about religious issues, so the guy didn't know Ibrahim, or the guy didn't have any halakha So did But the Orthodox Jews, this fights every day in shul. Tachna, no Tachna, no, this yard side. Oh, there isn't the yard side. This tzaddik wasn't big enough. For his tzaddik, we don't say Tachna. For we say Tachna. Whole bunch of fights. He cares about his tzaddik. What do you mean? You denigrated him. He's saying Tachna on his day? Oh, my. Oh, it's not my tzaddik. It's your tzaddik. You know, it's because we care. I told the person, what will happen the day that an entire Congress all of a sudden agreed on every issue? I would immediately vote him out of office overnight. It's a That means they made a pact with each other. They're staying at home. They're not even going to Washington anymore. They could sign online. You know, there's no discussion anymore. Everything, whatever the president wants, yeah, it goes. They were there to fight. The senator of New Jersey, or the congressman of New Jersey, has to say New Jersey needs the most money. We have a lot of sites to clean up. The environmental issues, this issue. The guy in New York, well, that's the metropolitan of the world. I need more money. You need more money. They're there to fight. The moment they stop fighting, they're out of there. Just have to do the sitting. So why Jewish people have different of opinions? Was the most ideological people on earth, people of the book, they care about things. They really care. And because you care about something, then friction comes about. Comes about. You know, I, I remember last year, the person who came to me and told me that he was in California, and it was such a beautiful, beautiful place that he went. Such a machaya to see. It was in San, San Francisco someplace. And it was a conservative shul that had 400 Jews families. He says, I, I know you wouldn't approve of it. They came to drive with the car and shop. I, I know, I know. But, but he says it was so beautiful to see. They were so involved. Every shop was Friday night, Shabbos morning, Jamincha. They all came. They were so nice. They were so involved. Why can't we see it over here? But he's waiting my response. And so I told him, the truth is it is beautiful. I cannot say it's not. Jewish people get together. They care for each other. They care for the religion somewhat. They come to shul. It is beautiful. But I just want to ask you an analogy. There's an epidemic of tuberculosis. TB broke out. And there's a need of hundreds of people to deliver medicine. 
and there's not enough medicine. There are only 500 pills, and we need about 5,000 or 500,000. The rest are all placebos. Somebody would come and say how beautiful it is. The whole community of the entire Red Cross and all the, they, they got an army of 100,000 people and everybody's delivering pills. Unfortunately, not all of them are real pills. I mean, some of them are placebos, but that makes no difference. The main thing is people got involved. Would you say that? Or what would you hope that the epidemic would stop spreading? You did nothing. You did nothing. Lately, Judaism became so watered down as if it's gefilte fish, it's nice traditions. And as long as, you know, you come to that Shabbat, did I follow the halacha? Did I not follow the halacha? Rahman the it's the heart. It's, it's the heart. The coffee doesn't mean anything. It's the heart. So what we did was, we took mitzvahs, God forbid, with Hashem's commandments, and we made a joke out of it. We made a literal joke out of it. And as long as it were nice about it. People who care about things, well, they would care whether the medicine is genetic. Is it the brand name? Is it the real dose? Is, are you sure? Oh no, I'm only using this surgeon. I'm not using that one. I'm not stepping into that shoe. I'm not going to that surgeon because it's my life. I'm only going to board certified. Now my kosher, I only told you, I'm only okay. What, the, what kind of different groups are there? Well, you bet when it comes to life, people don't go to this type of doctor and people do go to this and don't have opinions about it because there's a real issue. Yiddishkeit is real. I told last year the story of Rabbi Borah Goodman. Remember that story? Yeah. Went to New Brunswick. Uh, he's a shliach on, on the campus in New Brunswick. So he met a girl on Hanukkah and he gave her a menorah. She says, thank you so much, Rabbi, I have one. So he said, you know, she didn't seem to be too observant. She says, maybe you want the real one with the oil, you know, the real mitzvah. She says, Rabbi, I have that one. He says, maybe you're missing wigs. Can I give you wigs or oil? She says, Rabbi, I have everything. And she realized the rabbi is in disbelief. She didn't look to be religious. She says, Rabbi, can I run up to my dorm and bring you all? He says, yes, why not? So she runs up there and she comes there. And there she puts down the menorah. They, they had cultural arts the day before. And they made arts and crafts. And they made out of paper mache a real menorah out of paper mache with oil out of paper mache, the wick out of paper mache, and everything out of paper mache. And Rabbi Goodman told me my jaw just dropped. I had nothing to answer. You know, you know, such a mockery, what should I say? I just turned to her and I said, I, I just hope your boyfriend is not made out of paper mache <laughs> That's what we took Yiddishkeit. It's all the Rechmanel, it's all these hocus pocus. It's, it's uh, the one, that's why some people go off. And some people believe that smoking pot enhances Yiddishkeit. I believe me, there are some people who believe that. Because it, it does give you certain... Hi, this is Baruch Hecht, Director of Admissions at Tiferes in Morristown. If you'd like to learn more about us, then we'd like to learn more about you. Visit us on the web at www.theworldsgreatestyeshiva.com. That's theworldsgreatestyeshiva.com. Or visit us in person. Call today to schedule your tour and your visit. You can reach me on my cell phone at 973 973- 668-3219. That's 973-668-3219. Looking forward to hearing from you.